Captive of the Labyrinth is a really good nonfiction book. It's a really good biography. It's well-written. The research is impeccable. I don't necessarily agree with some of the conclusions, but I can't falter for how she got there. At some point, I'm going to do a multiple-hour series of episodes decoding some of the occult aspects that are found within the architecture itself of the house. Now, this is important for a bunch of reasons, but part of it is Queen Anne's style, and in particular, Italianette. Both incorporate symbols that would be subsumed by 20th century cult aesthetic. A perfect example is the spider web patterns, particularly the 13-point spider web pattern, which you do find on several windows throughout the house. You don't really find that design until in mainstream cult sort of aesthetic until about 1910, maybe 1920 even. But you do find it all over the place, in particular Wicca and the design of uh, Wiccan spaces that incorporate spiderweb, which there's a surprising amount. I did not, I never associated Wicca and spiderwebs. But then when someone pointed it out to me, I'm like, oh yeah, huh. But that is neither here nor there. As a book, it is well written. It's a little dry. But that's to be expected for a nonfiction book that is dealing with something that is deeply tied to an idea of the paranormal, the occult, on and on and on in our minds. It's deeply tied together. The decades of presentation have brought that to us. But it does an excellent job of giving you an idea of who Sarah Winchester was. And to a slightly lesser degree, the times in which she lived. It definitely gives you wonderful chapters about her relationship with her sisters. And I think the most evocative writing in it is actually, it's less about her and uh, William and their child. It's the chapters about her sisters and how they interacted and what they meant to each other. That's what gets me. That chapter I listened to four or five times, because I listened to it. I did an audiobook. There is a distinct difference between reading and audiobooks for me. It's one of those things, to me, very much how something is presented to me means, makes it feel different. And this is not a great book for an audiobooking, to be honest. It is a great book, even though the person who delivered it, wonderful voice, had the inflection, understood how to add emotion to a section when emotion is there in the text. That's key. She doesn't falsify the emotion for any point. And there are lots of audiobook readers who do that. But one of the really impressive things about this is it is a text that you can refer back to. Even though it's not primary research, even though in a way it is, it is honestly 
an exceptionally good presentation of what Sarah Winchester was when you view from 20,000 feet. I do feel that, and my biggest problem with it is, is the rejection of the idea that there was a spiritualist and the open mocking of the Adam Coons. Uh, mocking's probably a harsh word, but... Because I do believe she visited a psychic in Boston. But I believe there was a transcription error. Because there was a well-known medium at that time called Coons, who I believe operated out of Chicago. Was the most well-known medium of the time. Male. But in Boston, there was a medium named Asa Hughes who was known to visit, well, to be visited by women after a tremendous loss and was kind of a grifter, but uh, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> this is very much, the visit as we sort of have it in the myth is very much in the mode of Asa Hughes, who may have actually taken that bit from, I can't remember if it's Aaron Coons or, but one of the, the Midwestern Coons definitely had that sort of mode. Again, another episode. The one criticism I also have is it doesn't deal with the others who were in the area who would have had an impact on her life. While very much covered her lawyer, the doctor, all the sort of important people that directly interacted with her. There wasn't a lot of look at, like, the Lawrences. Lawrence, of course, the most important grower in that area. Most of that period. You know, if you look at the Wilsons, the people of Santa Clara who were very important and would have had connection to, if not she herself... Her output. And I think that's an important thing. And something that this series is all about is the idea that the Winchester Mystery House, the Winchester House, Yadavia, is a part of an ecosystem. And always has been. And to understand that ecosystem, you have to understand aspects that may not seem directly attached, but that definitely play a role. One part that I do love, honestly, is the look at uh, the expansion of Moore Park uh, across her land. I think that's a, that's a really neat little part that I never knew. And, you know, it's one of these things that I wish there were more connections to. I wish we had more of that in the public record. And honestly, Sarah Winchester stuff is hard to find. History San Jose has a good collection. There are a couple of, I believe College of San Mateo has a few pieces, but not a lot. That stuff would be great to have. I basically have to settle for uh, newspapers.com <laughs> subscription and occasional Aeon request to the universities. It's a great book that I recommend highly. It's a book 
that will reward you as you go on. And particularly if you're doing more research, it is a wonderful starting point. I do think it rejects any supernatural angle a little too easily. I understand why, but there are elements that sort of point to that. Like I've always said every time, it would be stranger if a woman of her station was not into spiritualism of some sort. I also have a little bit of a problem with the, uh, she was sort of being forced on her, the idea that the guns had led to her being seen as needing to be remorseful. I don't actually see that because of the times. When you look at how people like uh, Nobel in particular, but a number of the sort of bombs and manufacturing people, and there were lots of them in Silicon Valley. There was lots of, well, it wasn't Silicon Valley at that point. There were lots of developers of weaponry here in Santa Clara County. And they didn't really get painted like that, even their, their widows. So, mm, gray area. I, I understand the idea that that is the case. I'm just not sure it's the case. I also think something that is missing, though, is the analysis of her being seen as an outsider because she's an East Coaster. And that is something that actually was very important. The history of Silicon Valley can be told through the who you're angry at for coming to your land. The Ohlone were angry at the Spanish. The Californios were angry at the East Coasters who came after the Civil War. Hell, even in the 1920s, 1820s. I mean, it's, you can tell between the interactions between new arriving groups and established groups. It's, it's neat. <laughs> and it's what's going to propel this podcast forward, I think. Highly recommend it. Mary Jo Anafo. I believe that's her name. I don't have the book in front of me because I read an audio book. <laughs> but it's a great book. Pick it up. Give it a read. And I don't think it changes how you view the house. The house ultimately is the artifact. It's the ultimate artifact. I just don't think we spend enough time trying to understand the house as symbol. And the symbols contained within it, because there are a lot of them. Some are false leads, some are created leads. But honestly, that's the case in everything. Next time we do an episode, which will hopefully be in a week or two, I'm not sure. We're not going to have a schedule so much. Uh, I'm hopefully going to be able to talk about Winchester Mystery House, the comic book series. I sadly couldn't get the last issue, so working on that still. And I'm going to talk about, because hopefully I'm going to get over there again in the next couple weeks and get a look at one small portion of the grounds. Because to me, a lot of what 
the design of the grounds were is important. And I found some old photos that show it's relatively unchanged. And I really want to try to dig into one small piece because that's what this can do. You can pluck, pluck out one piece and look at it as a fly in amber. So I hope you'll stay tuned to Wide Unclasp. I'm Chris Garcia, and thanks for listening.